Today's podcast is brought to you by AssaultLimited.com. Even when you aren't saying anything, you're saying something. Let your gear say the right thing for you. That's where Assault Limited comes in. Assault Limited offers tactical versions of things you use every day. The Assault Pen is a great quality, intimidating looking pen with a pinpoint tip used for self-defense or to break glass. The Assault Spork has so many different tactical uses, we only have time to highlight a few. It's a spoon, a fork, a wrench, a carabiner, and a bottle opener. The possibilities are endless. The Assault Pencils and the Assault Straws, well, they both look pretty badass, and they both tell political correctness to take a long jump off a short bridge. When you need things and you want them to be the best quality while issuing a statement to anyone else who sees, look at assaultlimited.com. Also sponsoring today's podcast is Urban Savage, U-R-B-N-S-V-G.com. The best quality apparel available. American-made t-shirts and sweatshirts that fit great with the quality that will outlast the creepy battery bunny. The Date Night Tee, which is the badass's version of the subtle embroidered logo t-shirt that so many of us grew up with. And the hats are 100% American made, not just embroidered here like so many others. Ooh, and those sweatshirts are so damn comfy. The next time you're thinking about scoring a new piece of gear, remember to check out urbnsvg.com. Last but not least, today's podcast is brought to you by A3 Body Protectant. A3 was designed when Martin noticed that Hawaiian surfers who spend their entire lives in the sun had radiant, healthy skin. After plenty of awkward questions about how seriously they take their skin care, he learned the secrets. Hawaii's best kit secret is now available at A3Equip.com. That's A3EQUIP.com. A3 is a truly natural cream that can be used as a skin lotion, a lip balm, a hair conditioner, honestly, anywhere you want to keep moist and healthy get yours today at a3equip.com proceed with caution all doctors to the er do these guys have any idea what they are talking about talking about talking about get squared away spiritual get squared away emotional get squared away mental Get squared away. Physical. The podcast that'll help you get squared away. Hey guys, I wanted to start off this podcast with just an apology. The audio quality is a little rough on this one. It's really hard with the remote nature of podcasting to get everything on the same page and we're working on it, but it's not perfect yet. So if if you do have a hard time making it all the way through this podcast, just know that the probably biggest takeaway from Joe and what he's learned from teaching for the last 14 years is that uh, teaching your kids hard work is probably going to be the number one most important thing to uh, that you can do to help them in their life. So thank you again. Apologies. If you make it through awesome. If you don't uh, at least take that one takeaway. All right. All right. We are back with the next episode of squared away and we have a special guest. We have Joe anonymous, a fourth and fifth grade uh, math teacher, right, Joe? How long have you been teaching Joe? 14 years. years. So Joe reached out to me and just uh, commented on a few posts that I that I had posted and we started chatting and I I asked him if he wanted to get on the podcast because me and Martin always talk a lot about what's going on in the school system and and what is being pushed out to these kids and how they're being raised and and what teachers can do what parents can do to help teachers and I thought hey let's get let's get Joe on and, and see what he has to say. Joe, what what have you noticed over the last fourteen years, like in the difference in in the kids coming through your your classes? Uh, a lot less independence. A lot, 
there's less that's um, actually being thrown upon them or expected of them. So our expectation levels have really decreased over the last few years. But, you know, COVID does make things difficult. I try to keep that in mind. But even pre-COVID, things were going that way as far as taking a dip from how uh, things were when I started teaching to now. So as far as the independence, is it, is it overall the independence of the kids? They're kind of counting on you to, to really push them through everything or just literally independence all across the board? Um, all across the board. Um, there's more on required from a teacher at this point than I would say that when it began 14 years ago. Um, there's definitely more expected of us and seems almost less expected of the students what how are teachers judged i i have no idea how how this is i mean i have two kids but i'm definitely the type of parent that's like i'm gonna do as damn much as i can from home and hopefully the teachers do their job but how are how are teachers judged these days we have two uh evaluation type thing uh evaluation pieces one is done by our administration so you know how they perceive your doing your job and the others is um, how well you're the students that I teach perform on standardized tests at the end of the year. How do they judge how you're doing your job other than how the kids are doing? Well, you know, they have a criteria they look for, but you know, it varies. Uh, a lot of that, I do believe, you know, personal relationships come in with, you know, administration and teachers. Um, in the past, I've had principals not so favorable to me, uh, and consequently, you know, I don't think I did so well in terms of evaluation. But you know, now I have another principal, and you know, I have a better relationship with that particular principal, and my evaluations tend to be a little better. So, so a lot of it's just really in classroom evaluation, just kind of how they how they see you doing your job. Yeah, they, you know, um, they have as teachers, we have one um, evaluation where we know that they're, they're coming and we typically have one uh, three more that they just come by randomly and they have a checklist of things they check off and seeing if you're doing those things that uh, they deem as important well the state deems as important that's kind of tough right like that's pretty subjective oh it's, like I said I mean if you have a good relationship with a principal you're liable to do better than if you have a poor relationship with that principal and and that's that's crazy to me because i mean anything when when you listen to any extremely high achiever when they start to talk about how they how they practice for whatever they're you know doing they have to have some sort of metrics that they're going by and if it's just like subjective somebody looking at you oh yeah i think you jumped higher today than you did yesterday like yeah, i mean metrics but like i said you know I, I do believe you know that whole relationship that you have with your superiors factors in greatly yeah how you do you know, think teachers there's a, subjective, oh, there's a subjective piece as you were saying how do you think teachers have changed over the last 15 years you've been doing this, the new teachers uh, coming in? Well, um, God bless them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so much more expected from teachers now as when I entered the prof- 
profession. Uh, as I said, you know, so much more is expected. Um, the parents expect more of you. Uh, there's less time for us to actually plan. Uh, we're, we have a number of endless meetings. It feels like this year and the prior year. Um, so there's very little time actually within the school year, uh, school day that allows us to actually prepare for, you know, the few upcoming weeks. So we find ourselves doing a lot of the preparation at home. How, it, now with a, you do like lesson planning basically, is that? Yes. So if you do, do you change your lesson plan year to year or is it kind of, how does that work? How do you lesson plan, I guess? Well, there's a, there's a framework. I mean, you know, with teachers that have taught for a while, um, I use it as like a guide because, you know, no classes are the same. You know, what you are dealt with this year is very different than what you would have been dealt with the prior year. So, yes, I try to like do the things I did in prior years, but it varies based on the classes okay, I have. That makes sense. How, how much of that is, uh, of that curriculum is passed down from, I guess, the higher ups versus uh, how much can you uh, create yourself? Um, well, if you're successful, uh, you know, you're in maybe a little more tenured, you're, you're, you have a little leeway, I would say, you know. Yeah. As long as, you know, you get the desired results. Um, younger teachers seem, this is only my observation, tend to be held to, more to the fire as far as, hey, you should be doing this, 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 because, you know, maybe perhaps they don't know as, as much or, you know, they need a little more guidance, I'm, I'm guessing. But, you know, if you've done it a number of years and you've had some success, there is some leeway that administrators will give you. What about something like, uh, let's just get down and dirty. What about like CRT? Is that something that's um, debated to be uh, forced upon? Uh, we've been fortunate in where I am. Uh, number one, we don't have unions. And I think that's that goes hand in hand with unions. Uh, the places where you see that uh, become prevalent is states with the unions. Um, and second thing is I'm in a military town, so I think there's oh, yeah. it's going to be slow to move this way. Yeah, that, and that was something I had to, I mean, it seems like if you have more leeway with your lesson planning, then you're going to have a lot less of that kind of working its way into your classes. You know, unless, you know, they stem the tide here that, you know, it may trickle down. But like I said, because we don't have the union, we don't have that ominous, that, that outside force pushing it in. Now, um, in, I do. In places that, that do have unions, how does that work? How does that come into play? Well, I, I can only guess because I've been fortunate not to. But, you know, this is this what I'm serving just as taking a taking a note uh the accounts for you know seeing the news and such uh anywhere you see the crt mentioned it's always in a strong union state so it seems like there's a correlation there i'm guessing i mean i wouldn't say that's fact but that'd be me, me old opinion there yeah and how does the union 
I guess, how does the union negatively and positively affect? I know you said you haven't been, but we did kind of hit, we hit unions a little bit. Like we both agree on teachers unions and, and a lot of what they have to do, but how does that negatively or positively affect teachers as far as you know? Um, well, the thing that I run rough shot with me is, uh, the places where you've seen a lot more of the, with the COVID in the last two years, um, more at home and instruction, uh, where states were unions, you know, the unions kept the teachers in those states from being in, in person. And again, it's just my personal opinion. Again, uh, t- students learn better when they're in person as opposed to being at home and trying to make sense of everything. So, and you can see that yourself, I'm sure. Um, you, any of the union states had a larger number of teachers doing online teaching as opposed to in person. So with that much of a, of a push as far as just little things, like I guess that's not a little thing, but little or things like that, that probably throughout the years has had a big impact on all those school districts. Oh, I think so. Over the last two years, absolutely. I mean, I, I can't help but believe that, uh, that the state's with less union presence probably fared a little better because they had more teachers in person, which, you know, there's pluses and minuses of that. You know, there's going to be teachers that, you know, do have, they're more susceptible to COVID. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we were really fortunate because, you know, those teachers were afforded the opportunity to do, we had, we had the online uh, option available for parents and children. But that also extended to teachers that, you know, perceived themselves as being at risk. So they were covered as well. So there was no straight. There was always, we've had the dual model where I am. Yeah, I guess that, that makes sense. If it, I mean, you're going to have a lot of teachers that, that stay home because they are susceptible, but you're probably yeah. going to have a pretty good handful that also stay home because they just want to stay home. Yes, I'd imagine. I mean, I can't make their, you know, you know guess what their motivation is, but very possible. So in, in, I guess like in other situations, then that would also affect if a union was going in and fighting the school district. So really in, in that situation, the school district wants them to come back to work, but the union is fighting against the school district. I would, I would have to believe so. I mean, yeah, I, there's no, there's no way you could say that that children were better served in a, a virtual type setting as opposed to in person setting. Have you been, you've been public teacher, public school teacher? Yes, sir. For your entire, now, I guess I was just having this conversation with a few friends this week and I, so I wrote it down in my notes, but um, do you want to give us a little, a bit of your opinion on public versus private versus church school? Um, again, this is, Yep, yep. My opinions differed a lot from other teachers. Um, I'm always in the interest of serving the students, whether it's public schools or private or parochial. Um, you know, I'd love to preserve my position, but I mean, whatever serves, services the children the best should be what we're looking at, honestly. You know, not to preserve our jobs, but let's make sure they whatever we do is for the betterment of the children. So what do you, in your opinion, what do you think? It, I guess maybe in probably school district by school district, it's going to be different. 
more affluent communities, they tend to have um, more resources, and it shows, you know, when you're able to have more recesses and resources, you're going to have better results. You know, it's, there's not no science there. It just happens to be what, how it works. Poor communities tend to do a little worse off because, you know, they're, they have less resources to deal with, but that's like anything else in life. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. We're in a pretty affluent school district, and it seems like our school district has the the finest basketball courts and football fields and, and all that shit, but they can't stop kids from stealing ceiling tiles out of the middle school. I mean... Yeah, that's horrible lately. I mean, do you have the... I mean, schools change so much. I mean, even since, you know, years ago when I've been in there, um, what I see in our school district is we, got, we have so many um, instructors you know, the teachers and assistants within a classroom of, let's say, 20 uh, versus, you know, what, I, what we've been used to is just one administrator. Uh, is that the same where you're at or is that a union driven uh, item? What, like numbers? Yeah, there's like, I'd say three teachers every, I don't know, six kids. Well, Paul, what's your, uh, how many instructors are in yours? assume that you're in a lot better place than I am. Uh, now, when I, that's one huge change. You know, my very first year teaching, um, we had a large number. Uh, the staff was bigger. Not that we reduced uh, the teaching, but we ended up reducing the support staff, which is our teacher assistants. Uh, that dramatically decreased over the last, well, since that first year, it went down to next to nothing. Um, the upper grades used to have some assistance, um, but where I am, um, only the lower grades are afforded some kind of assistance. So the numbers are not great where we are. Well, I mean, do you think that's because of behavior on our end? I mean, kind of leads me to this next question of the, you know, how have you seen the kids' behaviors change in the last, I mean, you've done it 14 years over the last 10 years. Well, well that, that's uh, kind of difficult to actually wrap around because, you know, I've been at two different schools and while similar, uh, they're different settings. So um, uh, where I am now, it, the behavior tends to be a little more difficult than where I was prior, but you know, I just can't say, well, it's a, uh, a timely thing. It just, I think it's just a matter that I changed schools and that is probably the biggest reason why the behaviors are different. Or maybe I should uh, probably reframe that as what a parent or parental involvement. Is that a difference? Uh, and again, you know, that goes hand in hand with, um, if you do have a, a school with increased parental involvement or parental involvement, you know, there tends to be less behavior issues. Uh, again, change in schools, um, the behavior is a little more difficult and there is a degree less parental involvement there. So there's definitely probably a correlation there. Yeah, no, we have, we have a program that our school does. It's donuts for dads. You ever heard that or the watchdogs program, I guess. Because I guess they figured out that after some sort of violent school incident, then 
like 60 or 70% more dads gave their kids a ride to school the next day. And so they correlated that with safety. So now they have this program where they have a dad sign up for every single day in the elementary school to come in with, uh, with their kid and goes around and does like 10 different classrooms and works with the kids and does all this. So there's always more, they're trying to get more male influence in the school district. always sun in, you know, whatever school I happen to be at, we always strive for. Um, a lot of things start going to the better once we get that kind of uh, relationship with the parents and the community. Uh, things improve. Uh, I seen that at the first, my first school I happened to teach at, um, initially parent involvement was fairly poor, but over the years, changes in administration that changed but you know when that changed certain things changed you know academic performance increased uh, behavior issues decreased so there's definitely you know when there's a relationship a strong relationship or a, you, when you see that the relationship exists it, it, it does make it easier for the school and it, it, it does seem it definitely does appear that it's something we always strive for every year what do you think? It's like one of our goals. Yeah, and that's that's what I was I was trying to think of things that like right. So like I can go to my kid's school more often, but that's all I I can do to help my kid. What can what can communities do to help school districts like that and get more involvement? Um, well, first and foremost, is you know just being a parent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, and that means you know attend conferences and. Uh, try to um, also be a part of the school community. We have a number of functions throughout the year and, you know, uh, that money generated from those school functions, you know, it helps the school perform, obviously. As I said, the more resources we have, the better we are off. Yeah, that makes total sense. So were you teaching when they implemented the, what is it, the No Child Left Behind? common core all that type of stuff what do you what do you think what do you think about that let's just start with that no detailed questions just what are your opinions on that whole process uh well at that time where where i am it correlated with grand plans for things and um in particular because i'm an elementary school teacher um for third grade and it was supposed to be going to they're going to structure it in a way that there was a, it was going to be a super gateway year you know they're going to hold kids back if they weren't ready and move them forward if they are but you know mid-year I still remember it's still kind of well, it's funny to me it's humorous uh, they found you know when they were looking at the numbers halfway through that we'd probably have to retain 80% of our kids so because oh. that criteria they set up and uh <laughs> When they're looking at the numbers, they're like, well, this isn't going to jive so well. So around midway through the year, they modified it and um, made other provisions so that more children actually move on to fourth grade. So it was almost like they they did this huge study. um, Then they found it wasn't really yielding the, the results they wanted. Then while it was different, ultimately 
ended up the same after the end of the year. It's like, well, it was going to be gateway year, but no, we're going to actually, it's going to be different, but it's virtually the same. You know, they had, right. You know, like they're going to hold everybody to a higher standard. Grade. You know, before, initially when there's, when they rolled it out, it's like, there's four things. You had to do four things. You didn't do the four things. You're still a third grader. Then midway through the year, they added about 12 other, um, roughly speaking, 12 other ways that, you know, we should look at them. And those 12 things they added to the initial, well, the redoing they did of that year kind of brought it back to the year before. So, yeah. <laughs> so it, it might have been good. It might have been good in, in plan, but not good in application. Well, because, you know, we had so few fourth graders that year and our third grade classes would have swelled. Yeah. And then what? Then you're going to have that same thing again oh, the next year. with the criteria they're looking at, yeah. I wonder what their idea was as far as putting such stringent criteria in. Did they magically think that the teaching was just going to change? I can't, I can't fault them for what they were trying to execute. You know, we want to have competent children move forward. You know, we didn't want to, you know, why not go ahead and just pass children for the sake of passing. So, what it was based on, you know, it sounded good. You know, it made sense. You know, hey, let's not pass children on unless they're fully capable of going on to the next level. We spend a ton more money per kid here in the United States, and it seems like we keep falling behind and behind and behind and behind other countries. Why do you think that um, is? We have to deal with a lot more other things, you know, perhaps like the CRTs, uh, among other things, you know. It's just not, and this is something that, you know, I keep eye on it, being an educator. And other countries, you know, the basics, they don't have to worry about, as, as far as my understanding, you know, they have to worry about the basics, of course. But, you know, here we got, like, we're totally not focused on the prize. You know, there's so many distractions that keep our country, this is, again, opinion, from being successful because we have to deal with a lot more issues than other countries. You know, they can educate the child for the sense of educating them, but, you know, we have, to, we have social issues that come into play more so, again, just my opinion, than other countries would have to deal with. You know, there's things that are non-educated, not related to education that come into a picture that kind of rob our children from being totally beneficial from benefit from our instruction. There's too many outside of forces uh, on both sides, you know. Education is, you know, there's definitely yeah. political influences always that tugging on both sides. And, you know, I think that does have some effect on our success rates. And we don't want to uh, do the difficult things, like I said, you know, we don't want to fail children, you know, or hold them back. Uh, it's very difficult for us to contemplate actually failing or holding or retaining a child and not seeing them that they move forward. Uh, yeah, that may, I mean, and I get it. It makes sense, right? Like, 
if it, it's all good in theory, like we're going to hold kids to this standard. But then when you're actually sitting there looking at 20 kids and you're like, you are a specific human being, I could drastically affect your life yeah. by making this decision. Oh, absolutely. It's hard. What? So Go ahead. I got a question here on. Um, so, are you still uh, teaching civics? I'm not sure third grade level. I know my. I think my son had a little bit of civics in third grade. Is that something you're still uh, teaching? I don't have to worry about it so much because you know I'm purely dealing with the math. So, um, as far as you know, there's we do have. Um, a history class, you know, so social studies, social studies is still being taught. Um, and I don't know a degree how that goes in a particular grade levels, but you know, I, in the past I, I taught everything like social studies and stuff. And, yeah. uh, at that time when I was involved with it, you know, that it was very vanilla non-political kind of in a way that it would, it felt like it wasn't too political. There was not politics induced in it. Uh, but I can't say for sure or certain, you know, where that is now. And a lot of that's probably going to be teacher dependent too, right? Yeah. What? Yes. Um, I think so. Um, I feel, and again, again, this is my opinion. Conservatives are less likely to express their beliefs than the other side. Um, you're, you're more likely to be called to the carpet um, for expressing conservative views as opposed to liberal views. Uh, you know, that you see this all the time. Uh, but you hardly or, or seldom ever see an instance where, you know, a teacher's going overboard trying to push their views on a student that's on I've been always guarding against in my, my particular profession I just I, there's some teachers there holy they think that's part of it, uh, t- teaching but myself I feel that kind of instruction or mindset that, that kind of um, framing of what's going on should be left to the parents yeah I totally agree I mean, it's like it's, overrule how you feel about things. I shouldn't cause disharmony in your household because uh, you know. Let's be honest. Your your child's going to be with me probably more of the waking hours in the day than you're, it's going to be with you. So you're going to hear that, and I don't think it's my place to have any impact on your thinking that way. You know, I don't want to. Yeah, totally feel like agree. I'm running rough shot with the parents so you know I keep that out of the that's one of the things I've always been genuine I, I just can't see it I can't say that's for all teachers like I said I do feel some teachers feel like that's their obligation or their their thing to go ahead and bring about change and force their views inside into the in their classroom and stuff but myself I just think that's definitely something to stay out of yeah and I don't see it so much in my eight-year-old as I do in my high schooler my definitely my high school and she she 
she's mine. I mean, she's 100%. She's a farm girl. She wants a truck. Like, she hunts. So she comes home and tells me all the stuff that the teachers try to push. And it's it's almost comical some days where it's like, oh, yeah, this teacher's pushing this and this teacher's pushing this. And this kid, you know, this kid said he didn't agree and he got a got an F on a paper just because he, you know, didn't agree with her way of thinking because it was clearly like I think this one situation I'm thinking of, it was a very political essay that she wanted to write and he didn't write it her way. He right. wrote it the other way. And so I see it a lot more in the older kids than I do the younger kids. Yeah, I, I would tend to believe that would probably be more likely, but I can't say for certain, you know, um, younger children are probably less likely to report things to their parents, you know, that seem odd That's because, true. you know, just like, okay, well, my, my teacher said this, but, you know, they're a little more infallible, you know, teachers yeah, at this point. So it's yeah, like, they don't okay, even understand what odd is at that age. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking they're more likely to be receptive or less likely to think anything, you know, one way or another, you know, they might even choose to accept what is being taught to your particular student. So, yeah, especially at that age, they're so um, malleable at that age. Yes. Oh, absolutely. So, malleable. so I mean, it, it, I can't help but think, you know, there are some teachers out there who probably do that kind of thing. Uh, it's, I've been, I hope I've been fortunate not to have, bear witness to that, but, you know, like I said, if it's happening, um, you know, I, I think it's less likely to come back to the parents and like you said your, your older one definitely will tell you but you know yeah. a younger one if they see anything a little cross they might not even recognize it being a little cross so I mean so, they might even just accept it as hey that's you know my teacher said it so it must be true so 14 years yeah. you're getting to the point where you started to see some kids make it all the way through and become adults yes yeah I've had, I've had some children graduate uh, since my first class that's got to be a pretty awesome feeling. Like you were part of that grown up. You were part of that grown up human being. What uh, What do you think, in your opinion, are some traits that you see in kids that come through your class that kind of carry them throughout life? Um, hard work. I mean, you know, I hate to sound so. It's, while I do teach math, you know, when it, I, I tend to get off on a soapbox, not so much on a political soapbox, but just like real basic things like the, the importance of hard work. Um, we've had a lot of talks about, you know, how hard work can overcome, you know, if you're there, obviously there's people smarter than us in this world, but the, the great equalizer is how hard you you've heard those things like the harder you work the luckier you are you know these are a lot of things I preached in my class Um, there's a lot of children they don't have that instilled in them just yet and in elementary it's hard to say you know some of them actually do come around later in their life but I'm hoping you know when it does come around, you know, they'll be like, okay, now I can actually understand some of the things he, you know, my teacher was saying back and it actually makes sense because I know the age group I'm dealing with, you know, they, some of them would not be necessarily ready for it, but you know, at some point, you know, it might just make sense to them. 
Yeah. And that, and that's so true. Like that right there is a small way that has nothing to do with math that you legitimately could impact these kids' lives drastically because there's a lot of them that probably do not have that sort of input in their lives at all. And I I do, I've always made it important in what I do. So uh, a lot of children don't see the importance of what they're doing. You know, they don't see the big picture. Uh, And many of the things I talk about is like, you don't have a ability to do over once you're in 12th grade. You know, if you wasted away that time, one of the things that's been really reoccurring this year is, and I've said it once, if not a million times, you know, you can either choose to work hard now or you can choose to work hard later. And again, this might be a little high level for them, but I know at some point it's going to hit them. Uh, the importance of working hard right now to ensure that you, your life later is not going to be so hard, you know. In high school or middle school, they might hit it and like, yeah, okay, I get it now. Uh, so a lot of these things I share with my class, and one of my favorite ones is, uh, this is the easiest day of your life. You know, yes, you, you, uh, <laughs> your, your life not be, might not be as good as your friends. They might have it a little better, but every day you go further, day closer, you're going to be an adult, day harder it's going to be. So this is the easiest day of your life that you have left. So uh, hopefully they, I'm hoping that, you know, it hits them and, you know, it makes sense to them in time. And that's the thing. It might not cognitively make sense to them. They may not think about it and think, oh, I understand what he's saying. But I think actionably in their mind, it, it's kind of like telling a Disney story, right? Like all these Disney stories have some sort of a lesson behind them, even though they don't come out and say, this is the lesson of the Disney story. And I sit down with my eight-year-old and I'm like, hey, did you see this is the lesson from the first part of that movie? And she kind of cares. She kind of doesn't care, but at least I'm putting it out there. So then it's kind of, it's, it's seeding itself in its mind. It's planting those little thought seeds. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I'm really real with things I say, uh, not to ever hurt anyone or I call any children out, but I mean, they're just like, you know, you don't take care of business now, you know, your life is going to be hard later. You know, there is importance right now. Uh, one of the things that I have in my particular classroom, uh, I have my report cards from elementary school posted on the wall so you can see if there's a, there's a correlation, there's a connection. I'm like, most of my grades were very, very good back then. So I'm like, okay, I knew, maybe I didn't know I was going to be a teacher then. But even early, I knew that I wanted to go to college. So you had to have these thoughts. You know, I know early on I, I wanted to go to college. I didn't know that I was going to become a teacher, and ultimately that was something evolved later in my life. But uh, it started then, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the foundation. That, you know, I was working hard then. I was taking care of business then, and, you know, it worked out. But, you know, I know plenty of adults that did work out, and, you know, I have examples uh, you know, you don't take care of business. You know, your life is really, really hard and you work really t- much too hard when you're an adult. Not that I don't work hard as a teacher, but I know there's a lot of people working a lot harder than I do and for a lot less. Yeah. Do you know, no, do you know much about Montessori? Um, 
a little. I mean, you know, as a part of when you're going through getting your teacher degree, you know, they briefly touch upon it. I, I don't I, I've just come across it. I know a lot of, you know, the Sergey Brin from Google and a lot of a lot of those guys were all Montessori educated. What what is Montessori? Can you kind of tell us what you do know about it? Again, it's been a hot minute since, you know, went over that. But Montessori to when I was and this is just going from college reference a good fifteen something years ago. <laughs> Uh, you know, that's, but yeah, I guess, you know, they give children opportunity to make their own learning. Uh, so it's less structured and more organic. Um, so the children want to learn something and teachers supposed to do what they can to help, help that child in that realm. It wouldn't be necessarily the, the basics that we would teach in public school, but just, you know, whatever they're happy, their interest is. And, and that sounds explore. impossible to teach. Yeah. <laughs> I've only read about it in textbooks. I haven't seen it in practice, but I mean, I just wrap my brain around it. It's, it's kind of, I'm sure you know the mantras or teachers out there, you know, probably say it's a wonderful, wonderful thing, but, and they're probably quite good at it, but, you know, just being an average it, teacher, I, I don't know. It would be super <laughs> interesting to see in practice. Yeah, I'm sure. You know, in coming through just the structure that most people do, um, I'm not quite sure, you know, without actually looking and examining it, you know, it's hard to conceptualize for me. I just, yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, you, you kind of get instilled with norms when you're a student early on you know we took a lot of standardized tests I, um, and later on it served me well because you know when I was in high school I did really well on standardized tests because in elementary school we did a, a large number of them uh, there's certain expectations of yourself but I mean if I had to think about doing my own learning I'm not sure how that would work or guide it right it seems it seems super interesting in theory, yes. right? Like you have you have the kids that are super scientific. Like my daughter is my daughter could sit and learn about astronomy and dinosaurs all day. Right. She's science brained hundred percent. So like it, it makes sense, but also as a teacher, you're like, all right, I gotta teach this one about this and this one about this and this one about this. Like, holy crap. <laughs> Um, so I guess you're, you're about the same age as me. So went through school, finished school 15 years ago. Um, what do you think, uh, what do you think about the, oh, okay. Okay. Um, (laughs) what do you think about, we hear a lot about the kind of political indoctrination that's happening in colleges these days. And I don't know if that is necessarily these days from when you were in school or these days now, what do you, do you, did you see any of that? Do you think um, any of that? Well, I'll tell you this, in my time, I, I have two degrees. I have a business degree and a teaching degree. Um, now, we had one conservative teacher and everyone knew he was a conservative teacher. <laughs> so, I mean, I, that was always my framework. I was like, well, the other teachers might must be on the other side because, you know, nothing is said of that. But I mean, everyone knew clearly, you know, and he was kind of outlandish too. I mean, he, he didn't mind 
sharing his thoughts and views and you know he didn't press it upon you but you know he's like yes yeah, so this is me and this is how I believe um, but I mean it was never he was a common teacher so it wasn't like he was he had a, the form to actually press upon his thoughts on that you know but everyone knew he was clearly a conservative teacher um, so I can only assume that the vast majority of my other professors at that frame were on the other side or you know we wouldn't necessarily know that they were also conservative I feel like you know it it was mentioned around campus, hey, he's a conservative teacher. Um, but now I, I, I can't imagine. I mean, it seems like it's for everything I see in the news and media, just it, so many stories of indoctrination at the college level. Just it's, I couldn't imagine being that same conservative teacher now, or professor in today's world. I don't think they would make it. You know, you could exist in no, the world. No, yeah. the liberal teachers yeah, are getting so, eaten up. Yeah. Do you notice, I mean, this is the Squared Away podcast, and we talk about, we talk about the physical a lot. Do you notice a difference in the health of the kids coming in now versus 15 years ago? Um, you mean health? Um Health. And you got a lot more chubby um, kids. Obesity <laughs> issue. I think that's been kind of constant. You know, there's always been you know some children on the heavier side, but I don't think there it's been waning one way or the other. I mean, there's always a small percentage of children that you know would be on the larger side. Um, I don't think that necessarily has changed. Uh, one good thing about COVID is like we don't we have like very low tolerance for any sickness now so uh, if there's anything beneficial to this uh, we've that would be it you know back then you'd have a runny nose and you just let the kid snot all over the place but now you know he has a runny nose he's out of there so Yeah, my daughter had a cough and got sent for a COVID test and <laughs> took, took the rapid test, and that was negative. And she still didn't get to come back until the full test came back. It was like a six; Whoa. she had like six days off for a cold. Right. Yeah. So, and even in back in the days, and on the parental side, you know, if you had a headache, you know, there's plenty of parents I know that would send their kids with a fever to school after they hit them up with some Tylenol. Um, and of course, you know, the fever started breaking, you know, halfway through the day and, you know, but they knew, I mean, it's just like, but if you're hot, you're out of there. Uh, kid, and parents are a little better with that. You know, they're not sending their kids all jacked up now for the most part. Yeah. You know, if they, if they perceive they're, they're, they have some minor sickness, they're doing their part to keep them home for the most part at this point. You know, my question here is, uh, you got diversity and rage or diversity and inclusion rage going on right now. I mean, has that affected the elementary school? Um, again, you know, I've been kind of, kind of being beneficial because again, uh, I think a lot of the, the social issues tend to be brought to the forefront in Union High School is number one. And I can't tell you, I, I feel like there's a little, um, 
things are a little different in military towns. I really do believe there, there's some truth to that. Uh, so things that would happen in ordinary towns or larger cities, I'm in a smaller town, our larger cities in this state, uh, they tend to be a little more influenced by such things right away. Uh, where little military yeah. towns, we kind of shy away from certain things. Um, we're one of the, we started this year, which, you know, is kind of maverick. Our county is kind of very maverick in that ability, in that way. Uh, an onset of COVID, we had summer school that year, which was crazy. Um, <laughs> we, were, we may have been very well the only county in the whole state to offer it that year. It was two years ago. Um, we started this, this year, we started the year uh, mask optional, which we had to change after three weeks, but we started mask optional. A lot of, you know, larger cities were um, mandatory masks, uh, but, you know, they bowed to social pressures at that point. And, you know, then we had to go back to wearing wow. masks. Wow. Let me see if are I guys, oh. uh, still Are you guys still under a mask mandate right now? For the county, it's all based on the county in our where I am. So yeah. we're, we are required to wear a mask in our county. I think, you know, if our county has it, the majority of the rest of the state does. It's not an official state. Uh, you know, it's it, that's yeah. still being allowed to be determined by the county where I am. Uh, so... But I can't imagine if we went to mass that any county exists in our state that is not wearing masks. Yeah. With now the one of the other good things come from COVID is um, I hate to say it, but kind of the the school shootings that were so prevalent three years ago, four years ago, um, right. have kind of just disappeared. Maybe. Right. Thank God. If they never come back, that'd be amazing. Um, and I and I've read a lot about the social um, push that comes behind every any sort of extreme activity. There was a small island where the prince committed suicide, and all of a sudden, the next three years, like thirty percent of the uh, prince's age males committed suicide. It was just a social pressure, and I think that that it's it's that mentality, that tribe mentality that we have, that kind of pushed um, after Columbine and Sandy Hook, that kind of pushed that into the mainstream, but. Did you guys, um, have you guys implemented safety procedures in your school district? And is there anything specifically that you think would would be good for other school districts that you've thought of or you see yeah. as a teacher on the inside? We've always had lockdown drills. I mean, as long as I've been a teacher, we've always had lockdown drills. Um, I think we might do them a little more frequently than we had done in the past. Um, but that's always been a part of it. And Perhaps we take them a little more seriously than, you know, when I started 14 years ago, perhaps, uh, you know, you see it, obviously it's something that children are exposed to. So, um, but as far as changing anything, again, I told you, I, I, I'm one of those teachers that don't necessarily represent all teachers, but, you know, I've, you know, and they, this was through the past administration and it had some tread with it but it, then it fell off I mean I was really interested in exploring Ironman's teachers um, I've always been for it um, 
sentiment, but it's something I thought should at least be explored. And I think that's because of yeah. lack of education. I don't think that I think that the, the large majority of teachers did not grow up around guns. They don't know much around about guns. They just think guns are scary. And it's a lack of education that is why they're not on the same page as you. And some may some even after education and after learning about it may figure out, hey, I don't think that this is right. But I think a lot more would be on the same side as you. Um, I think I covered most of my list that I had for Joe. Did you have anything else, Martin? Uh, no, I mean, we're kind of on the same line here. So, um, yeah, we didn't get to argue with you about any liberal policy or anything. (laughs) (laughs) Since you're not exposed to it, that's why I was, uh, I was going to kind of get your thoughts on uh, what you thought the CRT curriculum was, but I don't know. Have you been exposed to that much? Just like I said, I know what it is. I keep abreast of it being an educator. Uh, um, I do keep uh, an eye on things there likely to affect education um, exposure right now not so much um, I think you know like I, I, I do if it can well I guess we have a few more years with Biden um, it, yeah, there's so much opposition to it right now though. there is um, I think it even but it. unions have that real ominous force you know a good the good vast majority of teachers are, are unionized. So while we don't have the that initial push, um, it, I do believe there's some kind of trickle down effect that while we're not unionized here, that ultimately will be impacted because if it takes ground in all the other unionized states, I think they'll definitely trickle down to us, and you know some of those things will be integrated i i do believe that there's some possibilities there i i think it's foreseeable i can't think of anything, I can't think oh. of anything more negative than starting out by telling a kid that they have some sort of um something that's holding them back again you know uh, as i prior mentioned prior that, that that was in that whole political area where you know i believe that's best addressed by parents you know, it, yeah. I'm, I'm there to teach your child maybe hard work as far as it goes politically, but I'm not sure that I think that's universal or however you, you look at it and how to be successful. But teach them how to think politically, I just, I don't think there's a role for that. That shouldn't be a part of what we do. Allow, allow parents to be parents and let them take care of that. And we need a lot more damn parents being parents because I don't because sure. I see that here. It is. There's a lot of kids that are parenting themselves. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you can tell. And a lot of parents that are too worried about their own shit to even parent their own kids. Um, yeah, that's you know? I think, you know, things have changed. And I think that's part of it um, as the generational the generations change. Um, and, you know, I think we always root for our own generation. You know, we're kind of naysayers to the next, but, you know, certain things that we find important are not the same things they find important. And, you know, yeah. they pass certain yeah. things different to their children than what we would have passed to our own. Yeah. 
Joe, I want to really, I want to thank you wholeheartedly for coming on here and even more. Thank you so much for your dedication to the kids. And that when you started talking about that teaching hard work, I got, I got goosebumps on my skin because I know how important that is to teach these kids and, and just thank you, man. Thank you for everything you do. I certainly do appreciate it. No, definitely. Thank you, Joe. I got one uh, funny question for you. Okay. Since you've been a teacher for 14 years and, uh, you know, I'm an Asian guy, so uh, have you seen the Asian kids are much better at math than the kids? You know, it's a stereotype. Uh, yeah, Here we go. It's a stereotype. Uh, uh, My kids are good at math. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you this. Um, our Asian's a little better. Uh, I have not had a large uh, Asian population, so I have not firmly able to address that. I mean, for whatever reason, yeah. in a small town, we have not had a large number of Asians. The few I've had, were they good at math? I, I do think so. Martin's going to hang his hat on that one. Of, you know, such children, but I, I think, you know, the ones I do remember, they, well, they probably excelled at everything, not including, including math as well. Um, I second that. That's good. Great answer. <laughs> there you go. Thanks. Now you're, Mar you're Martin's new favorite interview. Absolutely. <laughs>